wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for May 21st, 2020. I am Graham Jason Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Very special happy birthday goes out to my glorious girlfriend, Alexis, who is celebrating a 21st birthday today. Not going to have her here on the show today, but hopefully she will be back here on the show very soon. Um, instead, we have Mr. Marceau returning to help me break down, do picks, preview, and predictions for double or nothing this coming weekend. We're talking all things dark side of the ring and unfortunately breaking the news of the unfortunate passing this past week of Shad Gaspard from Wednesday, which is when this conversation was recorded. Uh, we're talking all those things. I was also going to air my interview with the Impractical Joker star, Brian Q. Quinn, from a few weeks ago. Um, I will be saving that either for next week or another week. I just didn't think this week was the best time, just with everything going on and whatnot. Um, but I did want to mention before we go any further with the show today, the unfortunate passing as well, and I went into more detail about this on hashtag AskGSM on Wednesday, the passing of Larry, I believe you pronounce his name, uh, Zonka, Larry Zonka of 411mania.com, 411mania.com. Um, I've been reading his work religiously for about four years now, specifically his Raw, SmackDown, Lucha Underground, Impact, Ring of Honor, reviews, stuff of that nature. He's been around a lot longer than that. He's been around for the website for almost two decades. He also passed away this past week. Um, just wanted to offer my thoughts and condolences to the you know family and friends of Larry. Um, he seemed like a great guy. I've never had any direct communication with him myself. But he uh, seemed like a really, really cool dude, and there was a lot of outpour, you know, a lot of outpour of support and uh, love and admiration for Larry and his work this past week on social media, and not just among fans of his and the website, but also professional wrestlers. Cody, I think, retweeted the link to the GoFundMe, which you should absolutely donate to to his family and his girls, which is cool, as well as Kevin Owens. He actually tweeted out the link to the GoFundMe page the other day which really speaks volumes about the character of Kevin Owens, which is awesome. And I'm not talking about the on-air character either. I'm talking about the real, genuinely awesome dude that Kevin Owens is in real life, as well as on the show. But I just wanted to mention that before we go any further with today's show, you can check out new episodes of the show every single week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Podbean. We're all over the place, baby. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Find me on the socials on WrestleRant on Twitter. Also on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews. And also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash c backslash Graham G.S. and Matthews. And if you haven't already, definitely check out my exclusive interview right now on Daily DDT with WWE NXT superstar Rhea Ripley, the former NXT Women's Champion herself, talking all things Io Shirai, Becky Lynch, WrestleMania 36, NXT UK, Tony Storm, and so much more. So check out that chat right now over on DailyDDT.com. Hopefully I can include the audio of said interview here on the show at some point down the road. Uh, but before we go any further, got to talk a bit about Shad Gaspard, the news just breaking today as we're recording this. 
um, officially presumed dead, not presumed, found dead after the body washed ashore um, early on Wednesday morning, I believe in Venice. And the whole story, I mean, you can read it in more detail anywhere, but um, went missing Sunday, saved his own kid before himself, very honorable, very admirable, and um, found uh, dead again this morning on the beach. But uh, So have you been following this story at all, Mr. Marceau? And uh, also your thoughts on uh, just Shad's passing and your favorite memories of uh, Shad Gaspard and crime time in WWE? Yeah, I've been following it a little bit, not like too in-depth. I mean, I saw the first kind of like tweet out that he was missing and kind of what happened. And then I just saw the one today that they found his body. Definitely, definitely sad tragedy there. Um, I mean, definitely heroic what he did, put his life over his kids. I mean, that's something any parent would do for their kids. So that's definitely, definitely heroic, definitely very sad as well. Um, he was in the WWE for a while, crime time. Uh, I mean, they were so over, I can't believe they never really won anything. Um Definitely a good act, and I would say probably my favorite memory. I love the the uh, segment with them and DX. I was I thought that was always just so funny. Um, but yeah, definitely sad, but um, still had a good career, and uh, definitely be missed. Yeah, most definitely. What about the skit with um, Lita when they first debuted when they were selling her uh, pantyhose all around the arena? I think that was the swan song for Lita in WWE too. Yeah, that was literally her last night on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Tough last match, but yeah, definitely, that was funny as well, but there was that funny moment, so definitely a good team, like I said, I'm surprised they never won anything. Yeah, and I'm very surprised uh, they never won the tag team titles. I think it was because, uh, the timing is weird, because I actually just read about a month ago or so, I read JTG's book, he wrote a book about five years ago about his time in the company, he talked a lot about Shad, and now Shad was kind of the reason why they had a lot of heat early on, but it sounds like he really matured too, I think. Uh, not, I think I know I had read, you know, a couple of years ago that he actually stopped a, uh, armed robbery from happening at a gas station. So the guy was a hero by all accounts. He did a lot of cool stuff outside of WWE too, when he wrapped up his wrestling career and they did push him for a cup of coffee on his own again, for whatever reason, just didn't pan out. But the guy went on to do, you know, movies and shows. I think he wrote his own screenplay that his wife wants to make, um, happen at some point. It was either a screenplay or a book or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, just, just not a great week in that respect. Um, but also, this has kind of been forgotten about by this point, by the time we're discussing now. News broke on Saturday, Drew Gulak no longer in WWE, um, despite being on SmackDown one day prior. Now, granted, that was probably taped a few days earlier, but losing to Daniel Bryan in the opening round of the Intercontinental Championship Tournament, and he was not released, as a lot of people thought he was. His contract simply expired. He chose to not renew. Uh, he chose to not renew, and apparently he wanted more money, probably because he was being paid NXT 205 Live money. And, uh, you know, he's been on SmackDown quite a bit lately alongside Brian, and they just refused. In WWE, they, they tend to give people what they want to make them want to stay. Because I would assume Brian, or rather Gulak, wouldn't want to leave. Um, he's been with the company for a few years now, dating back to the first Cruiserweight Classic, former Cruiserweight Champion. I mean, the match between him and Leo Rush, where they fought for the Cruiserweight Championship just, I don't know, five, six months ago in NXT, both guys are now gone from the company. So, bit of a surprising move. Uh, so, your thoughts on the departure of Drew Gulak from WWE, RJ, and where do you see him going next? Yeah, definitely a strange situation. Like you said, they were pushing over the last month or two. Um, with Brian on SmackDown, I'm not sure if they thought um, giving him kind of that kind of program and being more on TV would help the situation a little bit. And then once his contract is up, they maybe they could renegotiate. Maybe not give him, maybe give him less money because they're like, at least you're on TV now and kind of stuff like that. So clearly the money wasn't where he wanted. Just kind of bet on himself and 
no longer with the company, but it's kind of weird how um, he was just, like I said, on SmackDown pretty prominently in a, in a big match, and then he was released like the next day. So see what happens with them. I mean, at this point, who knows what's happening, especially with all the COVID stuff going on, where he could go next. I mean, mm-hmm. if I was him, I'd probably just stay. I mean, at least you have a job and you're getting paid, but because at this point, we've discussed this multiple times. Who knows at this point what's going to happen with indie wrestling and kind of wrestling as a whole once, since this is not really going away anytime soon. So I'd say it's pretty ballsy going on a limb and just saying he can do what he wants. But, I mean, if I was him, I would have just stayed in, just stuck through it, especially through these tough times. Yeah, most definitely. I was thinking about that as well. Unless he has, like, a guaranteed deal. Like, I think he's good friends with Chuck Taylor of Best Friends as well as Orange Cassidy. So maybe they were like, hey, coming over to AEW, we'll pay you what you're worth, whatever. But again, how many people are they hiring right now in the middle of a pandemic? I know Impact signed a few people a while ago, and um, I'm I'm actually kind of shocked that no other company, as far from what you know, as far as what we know, hasn't really made as many cuts as WWE has, let alone any at all. I haven't heard any cuts from Ring of Honor, AEW, Impact, whatever, which is good to hear. Um, New Japan. So uh, anyway, I, I guess we'll see what his future holds. He was a very good talent. I'm a I'm a Drew Gulak fan, so hopefully. You know, he'll, he'll be successful wherever he winds up. He could very well re-sign to the company, too. I mean, the same thing kind of happened with Matt Hardy a little bit. His contract also expired, and he was in the process of renegotiating, maybe being brought back to NXT, whatever, and it just didn't happen. Now, granted, Matt Hardy, I think, is a bigger asset than Drew Gulak is at this point, but um, still, I think the same thing could happen. If they really wanted him back, I could see them wanting to pay him more money, and then he's brought back at some point down the road. But he could also very well be the ninth member of that uh, upcoming casino ladder match, double or nothing this weekend, which we will get to. In, you know, we'll get into that momentarily, as well as the rest of the card. Give her picks, preview, predictions for every match on the advertised card. But before we get to that, got to discuss something very that we're very fresh off of as we're, you know, recording this here. The Dark Side of the Ring on Owen Hart. The final days of Owen Hart. Uh, great episode from Tuesday on Vice. It was the Season 2 finale. Uh, a lot of thoughts, a lot of reactions coming out of it. A lot of people saying, you know, Martha Hart was in the right, shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, that Owen Hart shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Other people saying, you know, she's bitter, blah, 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 how dare she. I mean, I have my own two cents on that. But before we go get into anything about the specifics about the episode, uh, what were your big takeaways from the episode, RG, and how much did you enjoy it or learn from it on Tuesday night? I thought it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't think they went into too much in-depth. Um, I feel like I kind of circled more about him like outside the ring, so I, mean, I didn't really know much about him. So clearly I could tell he was a big family guy, which is always great to hear. And I just, just another takeaway, I just feel like, he was just a little too soon for his kind of style. If he had come up a little bit later, I think he could have probably been a lot bigger than he even was. Um, but that's kind of just the quick takeaways I would have on it. Were you at all, I mean, I'm sure you were, you know, having been a wrestling fan for a long time, but how familiar were you with, with the situation with the whole Owen Hart's death and whatnot prior to this episode before seeing it? I definitely, I heard of it, kind of did some background into it. Nothing really at, at like nauseam was ever kind of, discussed i obviously knew what happened but obviously didn't get any kind of more in-depth on that um so i I was familiar with the situation i just didn't know exactly like most of the details i would say i think we can both agree that i would say anyway that this should have been a two-hour episode a lot like the benoit one because there was a lot to get into and i think they did they did a great job of covering most of it a lot of stuff i didn't know a lot of a lot of stuff that a lot of people didn't know 
when it came to the pulley and what he was being hung from and, and just the aftermath of the lawsuits, blah, 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 blah. But um, anyway, so th- that was one thing that we were discussing over text earlier today. You know, you said you wanted to kind of discuss in more depth over the phone because it's just easier. Uh, what, what was it about that, that really stood out to you about the pulley? And uh, I forgot the word that I'm looking for here, but what they hung him from when he was going from the Raptors and the fact that according to Martha Hart, which I, you know, take her at her word here, all it took was six pounds of pressure and the thing would release. And apparently if he didn't pull the rope, he'd be fine, but he didn't pull the rope and he still fell anyway. So what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I wish they kind of, like you said, I wish it was more of a two-hour two hour episode, kind of getting more in-depth on everything that happened. Um, I just, like, they, they didn't really, like, I would say, do a good job of kind of explaining their side. They just said, like, oh, this is what the clip that was holding him, and this is what happened. Like, they didn't, like, and then they stated some guy's name I've never heard of him. It was like, he should not have been doing it. But I wish they kind of, like, went in more in-depth. Like, Graham Matthews should not have done like he shouldn't have been the one harnessing him and and this is why like he wasn't trained or he's never done this before like they just said like he should have done that and that's kind of it and then they just explained what 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 the system was but i wish like they're like oh they used a quick pulley and then they have another person be like yeah this should only been used for stunts at this level this is why it was negligent like someone at this height should not be using this kind of device because it's so quickly if something does happen it's just a quick drop like I told you before, I've definitely seen like behind the scenes for action movies and guys that are like flying in, not too high, probably like five to ten feet in the air, like swinging something and they have a similar harness. Like once they swing, they can just release and obviously land or like do a move from there. So clearly, I think if anything, the negligence would be he was coming down from such a far height that it should be something more secure that. I understand what they're saying. They they wanted it to look less kind of clunky, I guess. They said, like, the original harness was kind of clunky and it kind of took a while to take off. But when you're coming down from that height and something so easily could come off, I mean, I would say that's probably the negligence and stupidity, but I wish they had someone kind of reaffirming that and saying, yeah, like, that was that's the negligence. Someone from coming down from that height should not be using that kind of pulley. Um, but that was kind of my, like, little not nitpick. I would say, yeah, my little nitpick with... I wish they had more kind of like evidence and science backing up instead of them just saying it was negligent and just us kind of just like, yeah, it was, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no. Aside from just, I mean, it, it was nice that they showed us the, they, they showed us the pulley thing. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone had ever seen that before. It was just disgusting seeing that, just that anyone should be held from that type of, you know, device or whatever. But at the same time, though, I, there, there must be. I, I, I mean, there's two sides to every story, and I'm sure she's absolutely correct, and I'm not denying that was the pulley at all. But I do think, because um, I, I, I'm more on the Martha Hart side of things here, where, like, they shouldn't have done that, and it was a dumb stunt. But at the same time, though, do you think the show would have benefited from... I'm not even sure if the guy's still alive. But do you think the show would have benefited from having the guy responsible for it on it to kind of speak his piece and give his side of the story as well? Or someone from that company? Yeah, definitely. I would say if they had someone else, it's like, obviously, like, you want to believe them, but you also want to see the other side of the story. Like you said, maybe this was done before and it just kind of was a freak thing. And, like, you don't really know. Like, realistically, it was definitely, it was an accident. and definitely was not, obviously not meant for that to happen. But, like, if that guy came on and said, we've done this 50 times before and nothing happened, the same kind of situation... And obviously this happened one time, yeah, it would look way more of an accident and it would be less sure. of neglect. But I think them just saying that this shouldn't have happened, 
it was negligent and then that's kind of it that's kind of why i kind of was like well i kind of want to hear more like like i said i kind of want to hear like from the company being like oh this was the first time we ever did this with this kind of mechanism so yeah it's going to be more i guess like the the error for fault would be more if this is the first time they ever tried it with the same thing they also did mention that he did practice it before i'm pretty sure didn't they say that yeah um yeah um i'm trying to think they said before they said that they practiced they they were gonna do the rehearsal or something they mentioned practicing and he said he was okay like he didn't need to do it or something like that yeah so they were gonna do the rehearsal and he said he was fine like he didn't need to and they're like well it's a different system you should probably do it anyway and i think they did do the rehearsal and it was fine so yeah i i didn't know one thing that stood out to me and i'm an idiot for not knowing this i thought this whole thing happened before the show i didn't know what happened during the show like during a video package which is insane because you know in 2020 there would be fan footage of you know phone footage from someone out there of you know recording the accident and maybe there is just from the company and obviously they would never release it nor should they that's disgusting but like it's just crazy to me i I, the the fact that they carried on the show because again i thought it was like even beforehand they probably should have stopped it they should have stopped the show i mean regardless of what happened i think they should have stopped the show do you agree or no yeah, I definitely, I mean, something like that's so serious. I understand their mindset, the show must go on, but, like, give out some refunds and just, like, <laughs> call it a night. Like, you can't, like, I don't know, it's such a Vince McMahon thing to do is just, like, oh, we like, the show goes on, but something that serious, you just, you just can't go on. Like, like she, I agree with her on that aspect. Like, they kind of, like, treated him like a piece of trash. Like, up, oh, you fell, you got hurt. We have no idea what happened to him. But just, hey, show goes on. Like, if he dies, he dies. Like, so they just kind of didn't show any sympathy for the guy. They just like, oh, keep going. So uh, that's where I kind of agree with her, and I kind of understood her stance of why would I want my husband in a Hall of Fame for a company that clearly, when at his lowest point, didn't give a shit about him. So, I mean, that's definitely the comp. That's terrible luck for the company. I mean, oh my goodness. But yeah, yeah definitely, I would definitely say for people definitely watch it definitely a good documentary i just like i said i wish it was like a benoit one more like a two-hour one a little bit more in depth and kind of get more perspective on what happened i mean i will say the one thing that kind of bothered me a little bit i did not love how she brought the kids up on the catwalk don't like that at all kind of made me feel a little uns- i understand i, I understand that, it, just, yeah. it just didn't sit well with me i mean i understand she wanted to see like kind of a perspective but meh, i don't know didn't really sit well with me. I didn't like that at all. But uh, besides that, definitely would say watch it, and uh, it's definitely a good watch. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty much out of the question that he ever goes into the Hall of Fame at this point, right? Yeah, I, I mean, from what her and the son said, I, I don't see him ever going in. Yeah, I don't think he should either. I think I might have been of, of a different mindset at another point. You know, like, oh, maybe this will be the year that he goes in. But that was because this woman was never really doing interviews prior to recently, prior to the release of this episode of the show. And she made it very clear, not only here, but on Jericho's podcast and other places, that it just it's just not happening, and nor should it. I completely understand. Um, like you said, if it was, a, I mean, yeah, a two-hour episode would have been nice. Another thing that I think they could have included, but I understand why they couldn't, like I totally get it from like a PR perspective, they, she probably only agreed to do this if it was kind of her story, and then people were saying, oh, she was all over the episode. I mean, it's her story too, so I get it. And, you know, involved in the legal stuff. They didn't really explain why... Did they explain why they sued her? I, you know, I saw someone say on Twitter that they sued her because he was breaching his contract because he was unable to perform because he died. Or did they ever mention that in the episode itself or no? 
I know that they mentioned that they had like countersued her, but they never like went into detail of why. Yeah, I wish they would have done that. It also would have been nice too to have some members of the Hart family, even if they were full of shit, like Bret Hart specifically, it was his brother, you know. But again, they may have said, listen, Martha may have said, listen, if I'm going to do this, we're not having any of them on. Like, I don't want them here or whatever. Like, I, I kind of get that. But it would have been nice yeah, to hear. I mean, they basically, when they said that she was suing the company, I mean, it seemed like a ton of the Hart family alone just didn't like this situation at all. I mean, seemed like, I, I don't know if it's just because they're just a big wrestling fan and Vince kind of gave them a ton of breaks. They kind of understood it was an accident. Um, but yeah, they were saying like a ton of the family was like pissed at her for even suing the company. Like, just like they were trying to help. Even they, she's even met, I don't know how true it was, but she said that they were trying to even help the WWE with stuff, which is kind of crazy. So I don't even know what like her relationship is with the rest of the family now. So maybe she didn't want them on the show just to kind of like bash her. So, I mean, that's probably why they didn't get it more in depth because if they had more of the Hart family, like I said, I don't know their relationship with her. But it seemed like they were pretty pissed with her pursuing the company, so they could have gone in there and just bashed her, which obviously she wouldn't want. So yeah. I would think why kind of why they didn't really interview anyone else in the family. Yeah, she said again to Jericho last week that she doesn't actually talk to them anymore. Um, not that they're on terrible terms, but they just obviously don't talk for obvious reasons. Even though it's been twenty years, which I totally understand. But now that I'm thinking about it, the more that I think about it, the less sense it makes. For them to side with WWE or to actively work against her, because this is '99, and they talked about it in the episode itself about how the Montreal Screwjob really, you know, separated the Hart family from WWE. Owen Hart stayed; he was like one of the few Hart members that stayed. You know, Brett left. British Bulldog, I think, left not soon after, but he was there for a couple years until he left or passed away. I forgot which, you know, whatever, what his story was. Uh, Jim Neidhart was gone, and various others. I'm surprised that they would side with WWE just because of all the heat that there was on Vince McMahon at that point coming off the Montreal Screwjob. So why would you want to see them succeed? You know, I know, like you said, they gave him a lot of breaks and they knew they might be back at some point, but Brett hated Vince McMahon. So I'm kind of surprised that it played out the way that it did. Yeah, but maybe Brett and Owen had some animosity since Owen stayed when Brett all that shit went through. I don't know. They, yeah, like yeah. I said, they didn't go into too much detail on that. But I mean... Uh, it seemed crazy, just kind of like what, everything I went down, but it was definitely, like I said, definitely recommend for people to watch. Definitely. So you've seen every episode from season two, right? Yes. Have you seen all the season one episodes or no? I've only seen season two so far. Okay. So what episode would you, I mean, you said this one, but like, what would you say have been your favorites and like the, the must-see episodes of the season? They're all good, but some are better than others. Definitely the Benoit one. I mean, that one was probably the closest one to me. Just because I grew up when he was wrestling, sure. Road Warriors one was really good. Um, Herb Abrams the new one, Jack too. one was fucked up. Oh my the god! The New Jack one. I watched the New Jack one recently. That one was so messed up. Yeah, but it was still was definitely definitely a good watch. I mean, I was like, <laughs> what the hell. It was like more like, what the hell's going on? The Herb Abrams one I liked. The David Schultz one was just kind of eh for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't really have any like, I don't know. Didn't really have any kind of. I don't know, it just didn't really entertain me that much. But it was a decent episode. Mm-hmm. But I definitely said the Benoit one, the New Jack one, Owen Hart, and Road Warriors are the four I would recommend. The Jimmy Snuka one was good, too. Um, I thought they did a good job on that one. The Dino Bravo one I thought was also pretty cool. They had a lot of good episodes this season. So, like you said, I mean, I would recommend the entire show to people. Season one was good, too. I think season two, or season one was good. Season two had some more juicier stories, I guess would be the right way to put it. A lot more compelling episodes, so check those out. 
great stuff. So uh, now we're going to get into Double or Nothing uh, going into Saturday. We were at last year's installment, unfortunately. We can't be there this year. Not that we were planning on going anyway. But uh, this was around the same time about a year ago, RG, that we were preparing to pack our bags, go to the Vegas for uh, Double or Nothing 2019. I know. It's, it's crazy how that was only a year ago. It, felt, <laughs> it feels so long ago that we went, but oh, such a good weekend. Great weekend. So we did, we're actually recording this before the live stream, but people could check that out. This is going to be up after that. So we're kind of recording this out of order like it's a TNA taping from 2015. Uh, people <laughs> can uh, check out the live stream from 2000, from, I'm going to say 2015, from YouTube, from Devil or Nothing 2019 here on the channel. But today we're talking Devil or Nothing 2020 for Saturday, our picks, previews, and predictions, a show that we are not paying $50 for because I do have a free BR live account. So I'm going to share with Mr. Marcel. I'm going to watch on Saturday, but, um, yeah, and no, I'm looking forward to the show. Again, I, it's a lot of matches as we've discussed before in the last couple weeks, they kind of threw together at the last minute. So I really don't have a lot of in-depth analysis on each match, but, uh, uh, almost sneezed there for a second. So we'll start our way from the bottom and work our way to the top here. Starting off with the kickoff show. Uh, I forgot this was even announced. I think you were the one that brought this to my attention. Well, I, I, com- get it right, buddy. I completely, what'd you say? It's the buy-in, not the <laughs> Correct. I forgot which company we're talking about here. Uh, the winner getting a future shot at the AEW World Tag Team Titles, Private Party versus Best Friends. So we already discussed the AEW Tag Team Division a week ago and how Private Party were kind of persona non grata, not persona non grata, but they were gone from the show for a while. They had that big win like six months ago, disappeared for a while, now they're back. Do you think is this is their match to win, or are the Best Friends going to get back in championship contention against Omega and Paige, who they've already faced with the titles before? Um, I think it'd have to be best friends. I mean, they've been they've been featured a ton on AEW, AEW Dark, Dynamite. They're all over the place since this whole COVID nineteen situation is going down. I'm assuming just because they're just one of the acts that can make it, not from a state that they can't make it, and they've kind of just bunkered down. But they've been probably the most shown tag team over the last few months. Um, haven't really lost too many matches, so I would say they should be the ones that go on and face. Omega uh, and Paige, but it just—I think it just feels so weird if Private Party got, like you said, they got that big win against the Young Bucks when we were there in Boston um, for that tournament match, and then since then they just—they lost. The, um, who they lose to in the second round? Hank, did they lose to Omega and Paige? No, Omega and Paige weren't in the tournament. weren't in the tournament. Do they lose the Lucha Bros? I don't know who they lost to, but they lost to someone in the yeah. next round. And then since then, like you said, not, they just kind of just lost their steam from that big win and just kind of just been there. And then lately, due to the whole COVID-19 shit, they haven't even really been on the show. So, I don't know. I think it would be really silly if Best Friends lost here. I think definitely a fan favorite team. Um, like you said, been all over the show the last couple months. So, I'm going to go with Best Friends. I, I would think it would be a big mistake for uh, them not to push them. I think they're probably the best team at this point, especially since they've been on TV so much. Yeah, they've been on TV a lot. Private Party need another big win. I'm still high on them, but I don't know if this is their match to win personally. Um, I've actually, I said before that best friends have already faced and failed to beat Omega and Paige, but actually Private Party faced them too about, it's been a while, it's been a number of months, it wasn't a match that we just saw, but both teams have faced them before, both teams have failed to beat Omega and Paige, maybe it'll be different the next time they face off. I'm still hoping Omega and Page are a tag team by the time we go to Dynamite, but that might be 2025 by this point, the rate we're currently going. But um, anyway, so I'm looking forward to that match. I got best friends winning as well. It could very well go either way, but uh, like you said, for the logic of only that they've been on the show a lot lately, 
I see them winning as well. So we go from that to MJF versus Jungle Boy. Kind of an odd match because MJF goes from, you know, beating Cody at Revolution in this huge match off TV for a while in quarantine, had the hangnail, of course, um, you know, uh, chipped his neck while shaving, and now he's back. He's 100% on the show. He faces uh, he faced Marco Stun on Wednesday's Dynamite, you know, after we record this. But um, now he faces Jungle Boy. Again, I think he already faced him once before on Dynamite and beat him, and now we're getting the match again. Uh, kind of an odd match, right, RJ? Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly what's going on here. Like you said, I'm not sure if they don't, due to this whole situation, they, they don't really know what to do with him at this point because kind of what's going on. He's coming, like you said, coming off a big win against Cody. I just, I don't know. doesn't really make much sense. You go from beating one of the biggest stars in the company to facing Jungle Boy in a random match. Like I said, he's already beaten him on Dynamite. And like I said, I, I was thinking maybe just because of COVID that's going on, but like before this all happened, they were still trying to do the whole inner circle elite stuff. So none of those guys would really be around for MJF to face anyway. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do in the first place. But um, maybe just, just this is kind of filler, and then he'll go after Moxley next. Um, I think it might be a little too soon for that, but what else do you do with him, especially after beating Cody? I, I, this kind of all, for me, goes back to the fact I think they kind of rushed through him and Cody. They could have built it up way longer, I thought, at least. Yep. Got, got him more season, got people knowing who he was more, kind of on TV more with Cody, make the big betrayal mean way more than it did at the point, and then... Then do the match between Cody if he beats Cody at that point. Then put him in a title picture. But get some seasoning behind him. I mean, that's kind of my whole big issue I've had since he beat, uh, since they broke up him and Cody. I just thought it was way too soon. Like, they were on TV for not even a month yet and they broke him up. I just, I don't know. We'll see what happens with MJF. I, I think he he can be a star of the company. I think he still has a long ways to go before he can be, like, the head of the company. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. But I, I, would, I would assume he beats... Jungle Boy, if he loses, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I figured the World Championship was next for him, and so the fact that it wasn't, maybe it's because he wasn't on Dynamite before lately, but they only set up the Brody Lee Moxley match a week or two ago, and he was on that show, so I, I don't know, I feel like that would have been the right way to go, but maybe because, I don't know, Moxley and Lee is more of a filler program, and they would rather give MJF and Moxley more time to kind of breathe as opposed to rushing it, so maybe that's what they're going for here, I'm not sure. If that's the case, then Double or Nothing is just a placeholder show. I mean, I know they were dealt a bad hand of the whole COVID thing, but, like, if this is merely a filler show, then it's no, by no means WrestleMania, or, like, their version of WrestleMania as their biggest pay-per-view of the year. And again, the timing was terrible, but it is what it is. But I have MJF winning as well. Um, they've made a note to point out that I don't think he's lost the singles match yet, like a one-on-one match yet, so I would be shocked if he lost the Jungle Boy, of all people, but it should be a good match. Uh, we're then going to go there from, or from there to Britt Baker, Dr. Britt Baker, that is, DMD, versus Chris Statlander. Um, I like the four-way they had on the show last week, definitely sloppy, as you said, I'm not going to deny that, but I thought it was a well-worked match overall, and I like the fact that Baker kind of, you know, had Statlander locked in her hold on the outside to kind of further that feud and cement that match with the pay-per-view. I feel like a year later, our biggest gripe with the company, I remember when we were in Vegas for the show, their biggest Achilles heel was the women's division, but I feel like before we even get into this match, I feel like they've improved a lot in that respect, and now there's a lot of characters I feel like I can care about. Yeah, definitely, I would still say it definitely still has some work to do. Um, I do like Britt Baker, I like Akira Shida, um... 
Penelope Ford's coming out pretty well. Not a huge Chris Statlander fan, but I think she's good in the ring, good little character there. Um, can't stand Nyla Rose, but she's just terrible. She's literally their version of Nia Jax. She's just so bad. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead. But, yeah, like, Rio, I, like, right when, I, I don't know, I'm just like, with Britt Baker, I think she was kind of the hand-plucked person to be the face of the division at first, and the fans kind of just soured on her, and that's why they went to Rio. And that kind of reigns. That was she was barely on TV. Matches are just whatever. Loses to Nyla Rose. Like I said, Britt Baker coming from going heel has been big. Stalin has been a great addition. Stay Machida. Um, I think they could probably use a couple more women. Um, but like you said, it's definitely trending upwards at least. Um, I think this should be a great match as well. I, I would say Britt Baker has to win here. Um, she's going to be heel. Um, Maybe do something, maybe further the feud, but I, I would say have her win here because um, I really don't know what they're going to do with Nyla and Sheeta, but I would say Britt Baker wins. Yeah, I think of the two, Statlander I like a lot. I do think Britt Baker has the character down pat. She Not that she needs a big win because she's been in the division since the start. Is kind of the featured face of that division. I think we'll kind of go into it now. Nyla Rose versus Akura Sheeta for the AEW Women's Championship. Nyla Rose only won the belt a couple months ago. That being said, I feel like Sheeta is the right woman for this spot to take the title from Nyla. Because if it's not her, they don't really have anyone else. Because they've already had Nyla beat Rio. They already had her beat Chris Statlander, which they completely rushed into on the last pay-per-view. Why they did that, I don't know. Uh, Penelope Ford is a heel. Nyla Rose and Britt Baker doesn't really make much sense. Um, I would think Sheeta is the woman for the job. I would give Sheeta the championship and then have Britt Baker. You know, they never really formally wrapped up that rivalry between Sheeta and Britt Baker about a month or so ago. They had that great match, in my opinion, one of the best women's matches they've had yet on Dynamite between Sheeta and Baker. So I would go back to that. I would have Sheeta take the title. So uh, do you see that playing out in kind of similar fashion? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of her character, Sheeta. Um, I really like her character. She's pretty good in the ring. Um, I definitely, like I said, don't like Nyla Rose. Um, I just think she's so bad in the ring. <laughs> but I would definitely, I would say Sheeta should win that, and then they could go into probably Nyla would probably get some kind of rematch, blow that off, and then they would set up Britt and her at the next kind of big show. Um, so that's how I would do it. Like you said, um, I, I don't know if they'd do that, but I'd go with Sheeta, have Britt win here. Have Nyla get a rematch, beat Nyla again, and then do Brit and Sheeta either next pay per view or kind of big AEW show. But that's what I would do. Yeah, no, I would do something similar. Um, I think Sheeta is the perfect person to take the belt here. Like I said earlier, I think it could be a good match. <laughs> Nyla and Rio. I thought the latest match they had was pretty good. Nyla's matches are very hit or miss. Uh, she has grown on me, but uh, you know, I don't know if I. Eh, I wouldn't be pissed if she won here. But again, if you have her win, then what do you do? Just because they don't really have enough women you know, enough women to chase her. Like, if they gave her the championship six months ago, then maybe. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big Sheeta fan as well. I like her a lot more than Riho, who was never on the show. She's not a regular. I know she's not on the show now because, you know, she doesn't... I don't think she lives in the country or whatever. That's probably why. But even before this whole thing, though, she was really never on the show. There were there was, like, a two-month period where she wasn't on AEW TV at all. Like, the whole shit, like, oh, she's over in Japan. Like, who gives a shit, dude? Like, they don't fucking put the belt on her. Like, I, I don't, that, that didn't really sit well with me. I just thought it was a complete waste. But that being said, um, I do think Sheeta is the woman for the job. She's over. I mean, it doesn't really matter without a crowd there, but she's great. So I hope Sheeta walks out the new AEW 
Women's Champion. I'm seeing here on Wikipedia that it's a no-count-out, no-disqualification match. Did you know that? I did not know that. Does this match need to be no-disqualification? No. No. Yeah, not at all. I, I, don't... I think they're kind of following up with Sheeta getting hit with her like kendo stick backstage. With this, like, Why does that make a no-DQ now? Is, what is this, Monster's Ball, dude? <laughs> I can beat me, too. And I was literally going <laughs> to say, what's next, a Monster's Ball match? Uh, Monster's I just... Ball. Not to go on a rant, but I just feel that they someone gets attacked backstage immediately. No disqualification match. Like just, just have a wrestling match. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I feel like they have a uh, they've had one street fight too many in this company over the last year. It, it's nice they don't do certain things. They they don't do DQs a lot and shit like that. But at the same time, I feel like they can kind of cool it on the no DQ matches. I feel like I see one a week between Dynamite or Dark or the pay per views. They got it cool there with that. Two matches like WWE ladder matches nowadays. It's just like every week is a fucking ladder match. Exactly. The DQ match. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what we'll get to next. The ladder match on this show, the casino ladder match. That is for a future AEW World Championship opportunity. Um, you said it right there. The ladder matches. I'm completely ladder matched out. Like we've had so many ladder matches. Uh, just across all companies. I know Impact did one not too long ago. WWE has done literally a dozen. In the last year between, you know, Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, NXT, NXT UK, the takeovers. Unfucking believable And we're getting another one here. AEW did one about six months ago with the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks. So they haven't really done them to death. But the issue is that because we've seen so many in other companies, I just have no... Like, not that I have no desire, because this should be a great match. But I'm probably not as excited as I should be, just because we see them so often. Like, we literally just had, like... Four in the last month between WrestleMania, they had one in NXT at the TakeOver episode of NXT a couple days later, and then they just had two more at Money in the Bank like two weeks ago, so I just it's just a lot, and it's not their fault, but in this match, we do have Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, and Frankie Kazarian, as well as Luchasaurus, and an opponent to be determined. So before we even get in our predictions, RJ, who do you think this ninth mystery person could be? Honestly, I have no idea, GSM. I love people saying Drew Gulak. I mean, I guess so. Um, it's kind of my only guess. I really don't know anyone else. Maybe Wardlow. I think Wardlow would be pretty cool in that match. Um, but besides that, I, I really don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. I'm not really sure who else they would bring in from outside the wrestling world. I saw someone say Jeff Cobb. That would be an, you know, an idea just because he... Uh, Seem to be on the verge of signing or doing more stuff with them before this whole thing happens. So, Jeff Cobb would be cool. Um, Drew Gulak would be, you know, he's not going to be the Lex Luger of, you know, 2020 appearing in both, you know, companies in the, in the span of one month. But, you know, it would be a nice little surprise. But, uh, yeah, no, of everyone in here, though, aside from the mystery person, who do you think has the best shot of emerging victorious? I would say either Darby, Allen, or Phoenix. I think that that's definitely the right idea to go down. I think Darby... I would say I'm leaning towards him more, but I think Phoenix would be a big star on his own. I mean, they're great together, but get they're never on TV. So I would say either Darby or Phoenix. Do you think they're ready to pull the trigger on Phoenix as a single star yet, or they should be? Not yet. I think they should get some more life out of Lucha Bros. Like I said, they barely since the company actually started with Dynamite, they've barely ever been on the show. So I don't know if it's just this whole COVID stuff lately. I know they just came back, or at least he came back recently. Um so, I mean, I, I, I would say try to milk more Lucha Bros as a tag team and then split them up, but I, I, I wouldn't also hate if they gave him this opportunity as well. Yeah, I would like to see them win the tag titles at some point, but then again, they've already failed to win the championships at least two or three times already. 
that I'm not sure if it's in their immediate future, and I'm not sure how long Pentagon's going to be out, so I don't know. But it is cool to see Phoenix getting this single spotlight for the first time in a while. Um, he was doing his own thing for a little bit in Impact, but I haven't really seen him on his own since the Lucha Underground days when he was working with uh, Mel Mortes and... Um, you know, a lot of people like that. He was a former Lucha Underground champion, had some great, did some amazing work over there. Um, who was the other one? John Morrison, Johnny Mundo, whatever. So, uh, yeah, I, he'd be a dark horse. I think he's a dark horse here. I don't think Sky is winning. I don't think Kazarian is winning. I don't think Kip Sabian's winning. They're all kind of filler. Cole Cabana ain't winning. Um, Orange Cassidy's cool. He ain't getting a fucking world title shot. I mean, I, I mean, I guess he could. He could because I mean, if Otis can win the Money in the Bank ladder match for WWE, nothing is stopping them from doing the same exact thing with Orange. So I mean, it would be a fun little surprise, but you know, he's not going to win the title, even more so than Otis. So uh, I would say no to that. So yeah, it really comes down, in my opinion, to Darby Phoenix, and I would say Luchasaurus as well. I know he, you know, he's currently a part of Jurassic Express, but a lot like Phoenix, in my opinion, he's another guy that has singles breakout potential at some point. So uh, maybe that's, you know, that's an idea too. But I'm going to go with Darby. Uh, he's already gone for the championship against Jericho a few months ago, lost. But uh, I would like to see him back towards the top of the card doing something. He was feuding with Guevara in the inner circle. Didn't really get resolved, it seemed like. He beat Guevara a few times, but then he got bumped from the tournament. So if it's not here, then in the AEW TNT title picture. Um, but regardless of whether Darby wins this thing or not, he is my pick. He's probably, who's your official pick, Ray or Darby, yeah. RJ? What'd you say? Darby. Darby, okay. So before we go any further, though, with Darby, it's been teased lately that Taz may be managing him. Yay or nay on that? Uh, I, I'd probably say nay. I mean, they have so many goddamn managers, all these old dinosaurs from WWE. I'd just say keep on his own. The thing with Taz is that I like him a lot. He's been a great commentator for them so far. I, I think it'd be a nice idea, depending on who he's with, but it just seems so incredibly random to me. Like, Darby, like, about 10 years ago, they brought in Taz to TNA. He was managing Samoa Joe. That, to me, makes sense. Like, that's a pairing that makes sense. Taz and Darby Allen, to me, makes absolutely no sense. And I don't think Darby Allen needs a manager anyway. I know people are talking about, oh, maybe Sting. But even then, I don't feel like Darby needs a manager. I feel like he's perfectly fine on his own, you know? Exactly what I just said. I don't think he needs a manager. Just like Cody doesn't need a manager. That's another just weird pairing as well. Yeah. If anything, I think, you know, Brandy Rhodes is a nice is a nice addition to his act as like a valet. But Yeah, but she, exactly. She's a valet. She's not like talk. he doesn't need anyone to talk for no. him. He's a good talk. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know we're we're recording this before Dynamite, but they had the whole Arn Anderson what was it, Jake Roberts thing on Dynamite this week. And I like Jake with Archer. Um I think I think I think Roberts would work better with Lee. That's a whole other thing, but I'm not really digging the whole Dark Order Brody Lee thing. It's not terrible, but we'll get to that in a second. So, uh, yeah, I have Darby Allen winning here as well. Uh, we go from there to, let's see, we got final two matches. Or, no, we got three matches left. So, we'll start with the Stadium Stampede match. Matt Hardy in the Elite, which would include the returning Adam Page, you know, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega as well, uh, versus the Inner Circle, which would include, obviously, Jericho, Hager, Guevara, and Santana and Ortiz. So, I think, let me see, one, two, three, four... Oh, yeah, because Cody's not with the Elite. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, 5-on-5, five five, Stadium Stampede. We kind of talked a bit uh, you know, a, a bit about it last week, taking place in the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium, I believe. Not really sure how they're going to make it work, but what are your expectations for this match, RJ, and who do you see going over? Um, I'm pretty open to it. Like I said, I really don't know what's going on. Um, but I think lately I've been just taking a more of, a, more of an open approach to anything that's going on in the wrestling world. 
just with all the weird stuff going on and kind of all the stuff going on outside, I mean, if you just open to more kind of new ideas, so I'm definitely open to the idea. Um, I think it'll be pretty neat. Like I said, depending on what they do, I, I don't know what they could, how much more they could do more than that street fight they had a couple weeks ago. Um, maybe, like I said, go in the stands and do more shit, but uh, I'm open to it. I think it should be a fun match. Um, I would say the Elite have to win here. I, the Inner Circles hasn't even got their comeuppance yet. Seems like the Elite would win here. Um, that's kind of my pick. I, the Inner Circles beat them on every kind of last few steps lately. I mean, they beat the shit out of Nick, ja- uh, Nick Jackson. They've got the upper hand on them in pretty much every Dynamite show recently. So I, I would say the Elite win here. Um, but who knows? I, I would say Elite. Yeah, I think the it could go either way. I feel like the inner circle have kind of gotten the upper hand. I mean, kind of like what you were talking about. I feel like they've kind of gone over more often than not. I know they beat, um, who was it? Hardy and Omega a couple weeks ago. Did Jericho and Guevara on Dynamite. I think Hardy and Omega ended up winning a match against Santana Ortiz last week. But uh, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion, who wins. I'm more anticipating how they kind of handle this spectacle of sorts. I think, mm, yeah, probably the Elite. I mean, I guess they could have they could have the inner circle win to kind of pave the way for the blood and guts match, but it, I don't even know if we're gonna get that at this point. They might be waiting for a crowd or for when it's safer. I don't know. Do you expect that match to happen at this point, RJ? At any point? Mm, I mean, at this point with what's going on, I would say if you're gonna do, you gotta wait for a crowd to get actually some kind of reaction and stuff. But with kind of all the situation that's going on, that's not gonna be anytime soon. So, I mean. I think the match could be brought back, but with these two teams, unless they have a long-ass build for this, it, it, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I would say up to a year at this point. Yeah, it's going to uh, be a while. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to do the match. I mean, unless the like you said, unless the two factions are feuding for a while, which I don't think anyone wants to see, then, uh, then no thanks. I'm actually kind of surprised that, I mean, I guess best friends could get the title shot, but do you think that Santana and Ortiz, I don't think they have yet to get a title shot against... Um, or even a match period against uh, Omega and Page. Do you think they might be the right team to take those titles from them? Um, I could. I would. Just, I don't know. I, I. I think at this point I would just keep them on Page and Omega. I. I the proud and powerful. I just they're a good team. I just don't think they've really been that over on AEW. I don't know. I just. I don't know. I just don't I haven't felt like like they've been one of the premier teams on the show. I don't know. I would, like I said, I don't, from there, I wouldn't know who, who else you put the tag team titles on. Maybe Best Friends, and then you kind of sit, plant the seeds for the Hangman. Can you turn if they're still kind of going that direction? But, like, they haven't been on TV together in a while, so maybe they might just throw that out the window. It's kind of, I, I, would see, I would say more after the show on Saturday, we should get kind of more, kind of more knowing what's going on between them. If they're just great again, and they're best friends, and everything's great, then I, I, I don't know what you do from there, but... Uh, they, they're a good team. I just I don't know. I just feel like since debuting, they really haven't won me over. Yeah, no, I mean, I you know, we were big LAX fans. I'm a big LAX fan. I thought they were just absolutely killing it over an impact, but I feel like they just really haven't, you know, gotten to that level yet in AEW just because maybe it's because they have so many teams. It's kind of the same thing as we've talked about before with the Revival. I don't know if they're going to get to that level that everyone expects them to. If Santana and Ortiz and the Lucha Bros don't feel as special as they should, you know? So I would just be weary of that. But I, I, I would like to see them be the ones to take the belts off of Page and Omega personally because I don't really feel, maybe aside from Jurassic Express, and maybe then you get at the Lucha Bros, Chase Santana and Ortiz, that's an option, but I guess they're a heel, who the hell knows? But uh, 
Anyway, that's just, that's just one idea. But I also see Hardy and the Elite winning this match as well. We then get to our final two matches, the uh, tournament final for the AEW TNT Championship. In the finals, we got Cody and Lance Archer. This could very well go either way. We've discussed this before. Cody has not won a big match on pay-per-view since beating Sean Spears back at the All Out Show in August. He lost to Jericho at uh, Full Gear, then he lost to MJF at Revolution. So that's why I'm kind of leaning towards him winning here. Lance Archer's been a dominant monster. He should win here. But I feel like Cody, they, they, I feel like they don't have to give him a win, but I feel like they will give him a win as kind of his redemption story. And they want to have the first champion be someone important. So uh, I'm going to say I want Archer to win really, really badly because he's been doing great work so far. But I think this one goes to Cody. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I would say Archer, I, I would say I want Archer to win. I think he's, they, they need to build more stars than just like the elite and their circle guys. Um, but like I said, like you just said as well, I think they want the title to be on someone prominent. Cody hasn't won a big match in a while. Um, kind of, it's kind of more for namesake value, kind of more branding at this point. Oh, Cody Rhodes is the champions. Kind of get more people interested and kind of get more eyes on the product. I would say at this point. Um, but I mean, I, I myself would rather have Archer win. Um, just kind of make another star. I would say I didn't love how it. The kind of like brawl happened last week. Kind of made not Archer look weak, but definitely not like the monster. He like, like walked away from Cody. Kind of got beat up a little bit. I didn't really love that kind of angle. They should have just had Archer kill him again. But mm-hmm. um, I guess you kind of have to make Cody look a little strong as well. But I would say Cody wins here. Just them booking it. But I would have Archer win as well. Yeah, I want Archer to win. Like you said, I think they they don't have as much of a star issue as WWE does. But they got to build more original stars outside of the elite. Because they have the elite, but they and need to, former WWE guys and former WWE guys. Lucha, granted, Lance Archer is a former WWE guy, but he ain't coming off a WWE release. I mean, the guy would people barely remember he was even there. He came off the run in New Japan, was never a top guy over there. Um, arguably, maybe he should have been, but uh, you know, he's a guy. He's an original, fresh face. He's not, you know, Luke Harper who just left there. He's not Matt Hardy who just left there. And there's a place for those people in AEW. Don't get me wrong; they're great pickups. But they need more top guys like a Darby Allen or a Scorpio Sky or a Jungle Boy or someone like that that they can really build around and say, hey, we made this guy. Like MJF too, granted he cut his teeth in MLW and places like that, but never on a national stage like WWE or Impact or whatever. So, uh, you know, hopefully they could do that with Archer and he, I, I think he's the right guy to go with here. I just don't feel like he will win just based off the story they're telling. So I'm going to say Cody, reluctantly. I like Cody, but I think Archer would be the better fit, in my opinion. I do think it's going to be a great match. It's easily the best-built match in the entire show by a wide margin. Uh, compared to the main event, which kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Brody Lee randomly showing up, challenging John Moxley. No sign of that ever being the direction they were going in with Lee or Moxley. And Moxley was just kind of floating, doing nothing after beating Hager a couple weeks ago on Dynamite in that empty arena match, which was not really that good. Um, but anyway, I mean, it could be a good match. I'm sure Moxley and Lee could have a good match with each other, but I just don't think it speaks too well to AEW's again, ability to create new stars if they're making their main event, seemingly the main event for their biggest pay-per-view of the year, between two guys that were in WWE literally a year ago. Yeah, I completely agree. Like you said, it just seems very random. Not, I'm assuming some stuff like all the stuff that COVID definitely messed this up, but I don't know. I just, 
I like you said, I think Brutally's done a lot for the Dark Order to kind of get the group on a more national weekly level because I think they're kind of a joke for that. Still not a big fan of the actual group, and I don't really love his character as well. Um, but just kind of going full circle with a lot of things wrestling, both guys need wins right now. Moxley's champ just got just won the championship, so he needs wins. Brody Lee's the leader of this group that's supposed to be taken seriously. So if he's losing a month a month in already, obviously it's the champion, but I mean he needs to win as well. I got to kind of solidify him being a big deal. Um, so I kind of I don't know if the company kind of just back kind of backtracked into kind of an unfortunate situation just because of what's going on in the world. But both guys need wins. Tough situation. I mean, I think they'll have a good match. Moxley, I would say, has to win. He's just the bigger star right now and just kind of what the company is going for. Can't just have him win one. Beat Jericho, who had the longest reign, and then lose the next month to Brody Lee. It kind of feels a little silly. Um, so I'm going to go with Moxley. I think it'll be a good match. Just like you said, feels really random and is booked kind of last minute. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, just kind of comes out of nowhere. I don't think Lee... So I like Lee being an AEW, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're pushing him too hard, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to be hypocritical, but I just don't see him being a world title top contender like right off the gate. Like The guy is coming off a very damaged run in WWE. It's not like he was Dean Ambrose, who was a, you know the top of the car, doing notable stuff. He was doing absolutely nothing in WWE. And it's not like the Dark Order is his meal ticket to the main event scene. He's making them more relevant. But I feel like it's a lose-lose, because you have him win. It's way too soon. Moxley just won the championship. And he's not ready to drop it yet. There's a lot more opponents for him to face than fucking, you know, Brody Lee. But then if you have Brody Lee lose, I mean, they could always rebuild him back up. He doesn't have to go undefeated. But I feel like he kind of loses some mystique there. So I feel like it's a lose-lose either way, unless they do a non-finish, which I feel like is not going to happen because AEW never does never does non-finishes. So I feel like it's a lose-lose no matter what they do. Yeah, you can't do a non-finish to for your quote-unquote biggest paper of the year between two guys that need wins. I mean, that just leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth. It's like if WrestleMania ended on a non-finish, that just, I don't know. I feel like the company who needs a lot of, that would just, I don't know. I think it, especially their fan base, I just don't think they could defend just everyone attacking them for having a non-finish at the end of their biggest show. It just would seem, like you said, it basically them having a non-finish with them be throwing in the towel and saying, yeah, we messed up booking this. And we just backed into it, and this is why we're doing this because we didn't mean for this to be that way. And it just it would be indefensible. You can't have that in your biggest show. It just that you just can't do it. Nah, yeah, I I just don't see that happening. There, I mean, they've done a lot of great work. They've only done maybe one no DQ or one DQ finish in the last year, which is impressive. So I don't see them doing that here. But I feel like they really booked themselves into a corner with this match because I just don't see a positive outcome. I want Moxley to win. I think he will win. But Brody Lee losing already, eh, just I don't think it's smart. So uh, I feel like they were better opponents. Why not? I mean, maybe they did want to save Moxley and MJF for when it meant more and do like the promo battles with crowds. I get it, but I don't know. Lee just seems like a strange choice. I guess it's better than like Jake Hager or something like that. Could have been even worse because that match was no good. Um, the empty arena match. But uh. who else would you have if you didn't work? If you were booking it and weren't going to do MJF or. Brody Lee, who would you, who well, that's would you? what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to think of right that's now. That's the issue, because everyone else is kind of already, like, we know Sammy Guevara, the guy's not really a big star. The other heels you would have are Lance Archer's already doing something. Besides that, like, I, I mean, that's kind of another thing is, like, they, they were just at this point when everyone else is kind of already booked. They don't really have any of the bigger heels that can afford to lose right now that are a big deal enough to put them in the main event. That's kind of another thing. 
I don't know if you do Ambrose or Moxley and Jericho again. Meh. I don't know. I'm not really sure to be honest. I mean, maybe they could they could have taken Jericho out of the stadium stampede thing and then just done the elite versus the rest of the inner circle without Jericho involved. I'm looking at the roster right now. There just aren't a lot of people though. So maybe Lee was the best choice, but I, I, I don't know. Did Moxley Jericho ever have like a rematch after Revolution? I mean, they might have. I just don't remember. They didn't. No, they they teased okay, it, but so they never maybe, did. Uh, Honestly, just, they, I feel like that might be better just because Lee should not be in this spot right now. That's all. Yeah, I mean, so now that we're thinking of it, maybe they should have done Jericho and Moxley and um, Moxley retains again, and then you just do the Stadium Stampede match between. Uh, Piranha Powerful, Hager, and Guevara versus the Young Bucks and Kenny and What's-His-Face. You could have the Inner Circle win. Then you just continue to tease tension between Young Bucks and them. Like, Matt Hardy, I love Matt Hardy, but does he really need to be in the match? No. 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 So if they... you just got rid of Matt Hardy and then just had Jericho face, I feel like that would be... Maybe you could have, hey, Matt Hardy versus Brody Lee. Brody Lee gets another big win. Gets a, another win on TV, on a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I, like you said, I think they kind of backed themselves in a hole there, and they, they should have just... Another thing, too, I feel like with this pay-per-view, the stadium stampede thing could be interesting depending on how they handle it, but they were teasing that the final deletion, elite deletion, whatever the hell it was, about a month ago, and nothing ever came of it. And at a time when they could use more stuff like that, which they've been doing a decent job of overall with like the Vanguard 1 shit and whatever, which I've enjoyed, um, why not do like a, a, a final deletion-type match at Double or Nothing? Like, I mean, they did the Boneyard match at WrestleMania, so there's no crowd, so I feel like this would have been the time to do something like that. No, I completely agree. I don't know what the company... I think it's maybe they don't want to be like kind of going out WWE's like kind of big moment. People are like, oh, look, you just got to copy WWE. So they just kind of are putting that on the back burner for now, but I, I definitely agree with you. I feel like that was the direction they were going with and kind of just switched it. Um, yeah, but like I said, I, definitely a tough situation. Like I said, we—I de- mean, what we just kind of proposed, I would say, was de- would definitely be a better solution at this point. Um, but I mean, when when you have so much shit going on, especially what's what's going on in the world right now, I, I'll give them, I'll give them the that that's going on. I'm not going to kill them for it. But, sure. I mean, you know, like I said, shit's happening. They're booking shows, trying to get talent in, all this crazy stuff's going on. So I'll give them kind of a a forgiveness card at this point, but like I said, Brody Lee and Maloxy both don't shouldn't be losing at this point. So maybe kind of have like an odd finish. Someone wins, maybe it's just not like a clean finish and kind of pick it up from there. But like I said, both guys need a win. It's just a, a tough situation. Yeah, just a tough situation. I mean, hopefully they can make the most of it. They have a good match, and it's like, wow, I don't really care about Lee losing because it was such a good match. But it's hard without a crowd, so we'll, we'll see what they do. But I'm looking forward to the show overall. Um, any final thoughts heading into the pay per view on Saturday, RJ? I think it's going to be a good show. I'm glad I'm not paying $50 for it. Um, <laughs> you know that for a fact. I might wait till Sunday to watch it, just depending on what my schedule's like. Just kind of Memorial Day weekend. I think I might have some cookouts and stuff coming up. Oh, sure. oh socially distancing people. We'd be socially distancing. Just kidding. No one I know has the run. <laughs> so I'll be right next to people. But um, besides that, I mean, I might wait for Sunday and watch it. Just uh, don't know what I'm doing Saturday night yet. But I'm definitely interested in the show. It's going to be. I think it should be an entertaining one. Similar to last year, I think the stakes aren't the greatest, especially for the bigger show. You kind of want bigger stakes and bigger matches, but um, we'll see what happens. I'm not really sure if they're considering like Double or Nothing their big show or All Out their big show. I really don't know at this point. Um, so that's kind of another thing we kind of have to look at, but it should be a good show, and I'm excited to watch it. 
You haven't bought your Double or Nothing shirt for 2020, have you yet? I have not. Okay. Well, I, that might be something to, co- to keep an eye out for. Just because I, I like the idea of buying a shirt for every year. I try to do that for WrestleMania, so it'd be cool if you could do that for uh, Double or Nothing, too. Yeah, exactly. I thought it would be a cool idea. Realistically, what I really wanted, thought of now, but it's a little past that point, is getting like every WrestleMania I go to, get the jersey. You know, oh, those yeah. Jer- it's a good idea. Like, that'd be cool. And I look back, and I just can't find anything from 30 uh, or 33 at this point. I mean, even on eBay or stuff that would actually fit me. So, mm-hmm. um, But definitely, I mean, we kind of went on a limb and went to that show. Just, we thought it would be a big deal. So, I mean, went on a limb, had a great time. So, definitely... Even if I don't go, I still kind of want the shirt. Just kind of like remembering of us going. I thought it was just a great time, just a big moment. So absolutely, it should be good and uh, definitely, if you have fifty dollars to spare, spend it. Most definitely. Well, hopefully next year you're looking to maybe. I mean, oh yeah. You, I mean, if your wedding still goes as planned, which it is at this point, right? Yes, it is at this point. I mean, even if it doesn't go exactly our plan, we already have like somewhat of a backup plan. So oh, okay, regardless. cool. Next nice, year. nice. So, would you ever entertain the idea of going to Double or Nothing or no? If it's in Vegas? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's a great time. Well, hopefully we'll be back at some point. Like I said, check out the live stream with Mr. Marcel and myself from YouTube, which hasn't happened yet as of this recording. We're recording episodes in reverse order, like like I said, TNA TV in 2014, 2015. So, go check that out for our fond memories of Double or Nothing 2019 weekend. Find Mr. Marceau on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. Find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Find the show on... You know, nextdaywrestling.net. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Tout. Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. What'd you say? Tout. Tout. Uh, MySpace, AIM, you know, Google Chat. It's all over the place. Mr. Marceau knows what he's talking about. Uh, Daniel Bryan will approve of the fact that you said <laughs> that you said Tout. Um, anyway, Mr. Marceau, great time as always. I'll speak to you next week uh, to break down everything, AEW, Double or Nothing, whether you love it, hate it. I can't wait to poop all over it if it's bad or praise it if it's good. Sounds good. I can't wait. All right, take care, Mr. Marcel. I'll catch your ass down the road. See you later.